that's the story of Christmas. The story that um, we had chosen, as Paul tells us in the book of Romans, we as a human race had chosen to forget God. We didn't want to hear from him. And so we decided that we would pick the better route, the route that we thought was best, and follow it. And so what God did is he left what was important, and he came to us to call us back to that relationship. And so many of us here in this room have accepted that as, as, as what um, has made life important for us. But it's this whole idea of, of coming back to God that has been a part of what we've been talking about during the Advent season this, this year. We've been talking about preparing and watching. We've been talking about what it means to see Christ come with both awe and fear. And we've learned that we can put the fear aside and we can use the awe to carry us into a moment of praise. You know, um, the whole story that comes from, from Luke chapter 2, one of the most beautiful parts of what we've seen during Advent season this year, has been that story of Mary and how she found favor in the eyes of God. She didn't have to be afraid because God was there and he was doing something very special in her life. And you know what's really interesting is that word that we see in Luke chapter 2, that word favor, is exactly the same Greek word that Paul uses over and over and over again in his writings, only when people translate that word in the other settings, they use the word grace. It's that very same favor that we have come to recognize through God, his love for us, that was the, what gave her the strength and the courage to go through with what she needed to do. And God now calls us into that same kind of a relationship. Let me read for you a little uh, passage of Scripture that uh, will make this a little bit clearer to us. Paul writes in Galatians, and in beginning in the fourth chapter, he says, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also were we underage, and we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sonship. Because we are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. 
so that we are no longer a slave, but we are God's child. And since we are his child, God has also made us an heir. Well, what's that have to do with the Christmas story? That is the Christmas story. That God chose to reach out to us and to bring us back from that road that we had chosen that Paul talked about. We all wanted to go in our own direction. We didn't want God to remind us that we were his children. And so on Christmas, he came to us at his own initiative and took us from where we were back into a relationship with him. And that's exciting enough. But what Paul is saying here is there's even more to that story. He not only made us his children, he brought us back from the slavery that we had fallen into. For the Jews, they would read that as the slavery of the law, the law that kept them bound in what they did and how they felt. For Gentiles, it was what Paul refers to as those elemental spiritual forces of the world. We can translate that as Satan. In one way or another, we were all slaves. And God brought us, bought us back from that. But it, it was also a beautiful example of what he would talk about when he mentions this idea of adoption. For the person that he's writing to, who is a member of the Roman uh, culture, they would understand this. We don't quite get the significance of it. But in that culture, a child had no rights. He was under ownership of those people that took care of him. Until the day, usually around the time that he became 18, when his father would actually go through a ceremony of adoption. He would literally adopt that son as his heir. And Paul is saying that's exactly what God has done for us. He's not only reconciled us, he's not only broken down that, that feeling that we had against him that we never could have come to the point to resolve. But far beyond that, he has called us to be his heirs. To inherit all that Jesus has inherited because of, of his being begotten of the Father. All of that now is open and available to us. But you know, it's just like the whole idea of, of reconciliation. And along with that comes the additional wonderful benefit of being adopted. Along with this reconciliation comes an interesting situation that, that is a part of our adoption. When that son was adopted in a Roman culture, he not only became the heir to his father's estate, 
but he also became an adult. And along with that adulthood came some responsibilities, some things that were now his to take care of. And Paul tells us that along with our reconciliation, our coming back to God, there comes a responsibility that he has given to us as well. But it's a joyous responsibility. That responsibility he mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, when he says, and all of this is from God. He's summing up what he has been saying to the people at Corinth about all the wonderful things that God has provided to us through salvation. He sums it up by saying, and all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us... The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed, committed to us that message of reconciliation. We are therefore God's ambassadors. As through God, we are making his appeal to us. We implore you, he says, Paul says to them, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God has brought us into a relationship with him. He's made us his children and heirs to everything that is is his. And in that passage in Galatians, he also talks about how close and intimate this relationship is. The word that he uses, he says the Holy Spirit fills us with that feeling of being able to say to God, Abba, Father. And Abba is the Aramaic word that Jesus would have used when he was growing up, not only to acknowledge his human father, but it was the word that he used consistently in all of his prayers to God, his father. Lots of people have have talked about what does that word mean? And it can it can be kind of taken out of context and it can sound a little bit um, maybe disrespectful but the way that that word is used and the way that it would have been used by the people who spoke Aramaic would be very equivalent to what we would say when we looked at our father and said thank you dad what a marvelous gift That not only are we his children, but the favor that he feels for us allows us to be intimate with him on a level where we can call him not our heavenly father, but dad. And Paul says, now what I want you to do is I want you to take that expression... And I want you to carry that forth. I want you to bring other people into that same reconciliation with God. And I want you to do it on Christ's behalf as an ambassador. Well, what's an ambassador? 
It's an important concept for us to understand in our relationship to the world around us. You know, we live in a culture that uh, has been labeled variously um, post this and post that. It's post truth, it's post believe, it's post Christian. And we live in a world where it appears as though, much like the people who became Christians in Paul's time, that we live in a world that's hostile to the message of Christ. And Paul says, what you need to do is you need to go into that culture as ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a person of high rank that a sovereign or a president or a leader appoints to be his resident representative in another country to a different group of people. Do you see the concept? God is calling us to be his representatives to the world around us. To be his message to the culture that we live in. How do you do that? How in the world do we reach out to a culture that basically doesn't care for the message that we have? They not only don't care about it, they're antagonistic to it. Many of the new atheistic writers tell us that Christianity is not just a bad idea, it's a bad concept. It calls on people to do things that basically don't work. How in the world do we reach out to that culture? How do we say to those people that God wants to know you? He wants you to be his child. Well, one of the issues that that is so abundantly mentioned in our culture. The issues of reconciliation. You know, that's a, that's a word that's in vogue now. If I'd have been talking to you two or three years ago, the word reconciliation might not even have registered with you. But it's a word that's very big in our culture today. We want, to be, we want people to be reconciled to each other. We want people to get along. We're looking, for, we're looking for equality and diversity. We're looking for freedom. And even though it's never expressed this way, we are looking for people to take adult responsibility for their lives. Do you see how the message that God has perfectly fits our culture? How he calls us to be that reconciliation. Um, I have a confession to make to you. I don't know how this works very well. Jeremy's wife, Lindsay, and I have talked about this a lot. And she tells me how Jeremy goes about 
contacting people and getting to know them and building a relationship with them and winning the right to talk to them about things that matter. But I'm not very good at that. So what we are hearing from the messages that we've heard this Advent season and that I'd like us to take away today is that God is calling us in a new year to find those people that need to see him. And we need to reach out to them. And we need to touch their lives. Like I said, I'm not very good at that, and I'm not sure I know exactly how to do it. But let me read for you a couple of quotes from people who are people who have been doing a lot of thinking about this very issue. You know, when I was younger, as many of you in this room can testify to, we were taught that people in the world were concerned about where they were going to spend eternity when they died. And so beautiful and very helpful evangelistic types of programs were put together to help us to reach to people who were dealing with that anxiety. But research today tells us that the average person in our culture is not concerned about death. Oh, they think about it. They worry about it. But it's not the thing that is absolutely driving all of their decisions or their concerns. They have different concerns than when I was growing up. And so people have been thinking through that process. How does that work? How do, we, how do we get beyond what we were taught in terms of helping people to find Christ? And how do we put that to work today in a new culture? Especially a culture that seems to be so antagonistic to anything that we can say as Christians. All we have to do is mention the word that we're Christians, and automatically there are all kinds of tags that have been, been put upon us. And we have not, by our virtue of who we are, we do not have the call of people to talk to them. Writer and speaker and evangelical leader Carmen LeBurge recently interviewed about her book, Speak the Truth, How to Bring God into Every Conversation, says that we as Christians have a viable and appealing message to our post-Christian, post-truth culture. But we can't start our conversations the way that we were taught to. She says, practically speaking, we can't start our conversation today with theology, but ultimately, conversation is theological. We begin by weeping with those who weep. We sit, we listen, we seek to understand. We don't address issues prior to understanding the crushing pain that people are experiencing. 
In the midst, we bear witness to Christ. We enter that pain to bring about God's redemption. People don't need a P-I-E-C-E, peace of our mind as Christians today. But they do need the P-E-A-C-E of the mind of Christ. Christians can be really vocal in the public conversation, but still leave God out of the discussion. This is not our call as the people of God. Who is it that we are representing? When we become Christians... We actually have to change our identity. We are called to be, here it comes, God's ambassadors into any situation and any conversation. As God's ambassadors to a world that we are increasingly learning doesn't care about the things that we were taught were so important, how do we take that message of personal salvation that may not be resonating with them and make it real in their lives? Dr. Rick Richardson, who leads uh, the Evangelism and Leadership graduate program at Wheaton College, recently wrote in Christianity Today, in addition to individual salvation that the gospel promises, we must also communicate a broader vision of the gospel that includes God's mission to restore the world through his perfect rule. That's the message of reconciliation, exactly what Paul is talking about. A short summary of this, he writes, says of this broader vision is that the world has gotten off track. Jesus has lived, died, risen, and rules to get the earth and humanity back on track. We can become a part of God's of Jesus' mission if we accept his death and his resurrection for us so that we can be forgiven, given new life, become part of his people, and join his mission under his rule to be with God in his forever kingdom. We're not leaving out the message of personal salvation. We're just simply saying that it is so much more than that. And it is so relevant to what people are looking for today. That's all well and good. But practically, what does that look like? Where do you and I... Where do we start? How do we let people know that God wants us to make God wants to make them his children when the world is apparently more and more hostile to any message of Christians, even the message of reconciliation? Eddie Cole, who is a district superintendent for the Evangelical Free Church in America, recently took a lesson from somebody outside of his congregation on how to reach to the world in our culture. 
An Egyptian woman, he writes, who lives in Brooklyn, changed my approach to evangelism. She told me that some other pastors and some other pastors how she opened her life and her home to help Arabic-speaking, mostly Muslim women adapt to America. She talked with these women about immigration, food, schools, things that were important to their life. And then they invariably would ask her why she opened her house and her life as she did. When they asked, she shared with them the gospel. Eddie writes, she told me, I love them until they ask me why. Questions about death and eternity were answered because of the way she helped neighbors live. Doing evangelism that defeats death and leads to eternal life should start with the consistent witness of selfless love in day-to-day life. Ouch. That's hard for me to do. I grew up in a cloistered little evangelical community. And it's a nice, safe, loving environment. But there aren't probably very many people in this room. People who I know deeply, love deeply, admire. But there aren't probably many of us in here who aren't basking in the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But there are a lot of people out there. As I stand here, I look at Ileana and I think about the ministry that she has to... Uh, international students. And there are other many examples in our church, the outreaches that we have to schools in our area. But they're not comfortable for me. But you know what? That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us, and he's commissioning us to be his ambassadors. Now, an ambassador doesn't get a whole lot of choice in what he gets to say or do. He's there to represent somebody else. And as much as they love that job and love the people that they're working with and the person that sent them there, they are there because somebody else has commissioned their presence to be in that place at that time. I would just ask you to, as it is my goal for this coming year, to find those opportunities where I can... Find somebody who needs to know Jesus, and I don't sit them down and go back to my memory, to my four spiritual laws, and start to tell them how to become a Christian, but I just accept them and love them where they are. I have some people in my neighborhood that need that love, and I don't even know them that well. 
so I need to reach out to them. And I think that's what God is calling all of us to. I think our takeaway from this Advent season, this this time where we've been talking about preparing and being ready when Christ came and not being afraid, but being in awe that he came. I think the takeaway from from this Advent season and our call and commission for 2018 is to Christmas in action. We are called to do exactly what Jesus did. Now think about this. When Jesus came, think of what he left behind. Think of what it meant for him to come and to be born in poverty. We are called to do exactly what Jesus did. To enter people's lives right where they are as God's personal resident ambassadors of reconciliation. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you this morning. I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one in this room who finds reaching out to be difficult. I see many people in this room who do it well. And I pray that you will use those people to teach the rest of us what it means to love people until they ask why. Father, there's a hostile and unreceiving world out there. But we know that they are looking for stability. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for people to act like grown-ups and talk to each other. What they need, Lord Jesus, is for us to be your hands and your feet and your voice to them, saying to them, I came into your world because I love you and I want you to be my child. Father, just just burn that desire into our hearts today. Just help us to see the people around us that we can reach out to in this way. They're all out there, and, and we run into them every day, and we look right past them. May we go from this Advent season with the joy of what you have done that has brought us back into relationship with you and be so consumed by that joy that we want to be like you to the people around us who need to see you. We ask that in the name of Jesus who came and gave himself for us.
Amen.